Today's episode of No Dunks is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we are here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. the only place to read your emails and tweets this is no dunks the best sports podcast in the world it's wednesday may 20th i'm jay skeets and alongside me thanks to the power of technology tas Mellis. thanks technology we got the bearded one trey kirby ayo ayo the international man of mystery taking it to the max lee ellis friends mm, lily last but not least making the magic happen it's jd hello There he is, and here we are. Thanks again to everybody who sent in questions over the last week or so. Keep them coming, guys. Email us, nodunksattheathletic.com, or tweet them in at nodunksinc, or use the hashtag nodunks. And before we get to our first question, if you're catching this podcast super early here on Wednesday, basically as soon as we posted this thing, join us for our No Dunks Championship Rally, live at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, at Instagram.com slash NoDunksInc. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NoDunksInc. Yes, we're having a, a championship rally to celebrate our best sports podcast Webby Award. It's uh, it's just fun, something fun and a little silly here. So uh, I guess we it does go up after the fact, does it not, yeah. Trey? You can you, bank you that got, thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I won't be banking hours. the people will be able to celebrate for the next 22 years. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, uh, yes, championship rally. Today, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, live on Instagram, at No Dunks Inc. If you can catch it live, join us. If not, we'll have it up there. All right, let's get to the cues. A nice batch this week. I'll start us off. Hey, lads. I have been doing a ton of NBA sporacle quizzes, and one player I always miss when listing scores is LaMarcus Aldridge. Is it just me that has forgotten how completely dominant he was for Portland? Just wondering if there are any other players from the last couple of decades that you guys think quietly slipped under the radar. P.S., has JD been keeping up to date with the Yasmin and Jeff drama on Coronation Street? That's from Adam in Belfast. JD, what the heck is Adam talking about? Ooh, that Jeff. I hate Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm about 20 episodes back, give or take, which seems like a lot, but it's it's da- it's a daily show, so I'm about four weeks back, and... Uh, so I'm not completely up to date. I've seen on the Coronation Street Instagram that something big's coming in. Uh, they've been setting it up for a long time because Jeff's been gaslighting and abusing Yasmin for a while now. Uh, he made her believe that she had an alcohol problem by th- making her think she was forgetful about stuff. He locked her in a box for a few hours. It was it was a magic trick. Oh, we show. didn't have the skeets ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well, yes, sort of. Um, he killed her favorite chicken. Charlotte Bronte, and then served it to her for dinner. Are you are you serious? Am, this is the storyline. Oh yeah, yeah, holy yeah! God. But she stands by him, and her granddaughter is the only one 
who seems to see Jeff for who he is. But something big's coming. They've been setting it up for months, and I, and, and, and uh, I appreciate you asking, Adam, and I, I can't wait to find out. My wow. Brit box is filling up, and I, I got I to gotta get on it. <laughs> How old are Yasmin and Jeff? They're older. They're, uh, oh. I would say they're in their 60s, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah you Late 60s. granddaughter. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, it's big stuff. Wild, big stuff. Wild stuff. And let me apologize to Yasmin, or the pronunciation there. I don't want to be a storyline in Coronation Street. Some, <laughs> some idiot podcaster pronounced her name wrong. Um, let's get to the basketball part of it. A guy that has sort of slipped under the radar with how good he has been. I think Dwight Howard has slipped under the radar. Hmm. I think people remember him for the negative events of his career more than how dominant he was. That has just overtaken the Dwight Howard resume. Like not being serious enough to win is is probably one of the bullet points on his resume right now. The failed run with the Lakers, the run, run-ins with Kobe, all those stops at the end of his career where his teammates were apparently happy to see him go, reportedly screaming and yelling into their phones how happy they were to see him go. He's remembered more for his flatulence, I think, than his dominant play. Uh, it's it's crazy uh, because he's a Hall of Famer, um, but he also played defense. I think that was his primary attribute, and although you know he was good on the, on the offensive end, and people don't care about defense, so... Uh, I think Dwight, a Hall of Famer, is is more. I know he's got his reputation back a little bit this year, but still, um, I mean, he hasn't been in a lot of people's eyes dominant for nearly a decade, uh, mm. which is which is wild to think about. I mean, he had great six, seven years to start his career, and now he's he's played a pretty long career. This is year sixteen for him. He'll definitely play a seventeen, eighteen. Uh, so that's that's pretty solid, I think. People just forget about how dominant Dwight was. Anybody else got something to add? Yeah, I mean, just just off of Dwight, you, you sort of slipped it in there. Like, feels like he has sort of saved face a little bit this year, right? Like, in building back up somewhat of a reputation, because I agree with everything you said there. I mean, he was, you know, he was a, he was basically a joke for a couple of years, but had played pretty damn good basketball with the, with LeBron and the Lakers this year, and I think had, had gotten a little bit of respect back on his name. Just a, yep. just a little bit, and maybe would continue to do so if this season continued or the next couple, like you said. Mm-hmm. I will. Um, I'll add a guy that I just always forget how great he was, um, and I guess it's similar, maybe in a weird way, to Lamarcus Aldridge, Jermaine O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Jermaine O'Neal was a damn good basketball player, and I and I you know I forget about him a lot, but I looked it up. You know, six time All Star, three time All NBA, played over a thousand games in the league, scored thirteen thousand points. Um, Couple twenty and ten seasons in there, I think three averaged twenty four points per game once for Indy, and I totally forgotten that he finished third in an MVP vote one year, oh three oh four two. Well, two guys going in the Hall of Fame in Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan. So Jermaine O'Neal was a damn good player. Uh, there were better players at his uh, position than him during his run, but you know all those accolades I just said. That's a that's a pretty good basketball player, and I I do forget about Jermaine O'Neal from time to time. Well, he was just trending recently for the Malice in the Palace uh, yeah, right. anniversary. So, yeah, uh, Jermaine O'Neal, yeah, he was awesome. The main thing I'll always think about Jermaine O'Neal is I was convinced he was left-handed for the entirety <laughs> of his career. I don't know why. He just played like a left-handed guy, I thought. Um, but, yeah, Jermaine O'Neal was great. Another guy um, from the early 2000s or, you know, mid-2000s, 2010s, Amari Stoudemire. We talked all day. We've talked six times about Sean Marion's case for the Hall of Fame. Amari Stoudemire was the man in Phoenix right behind Steve Nash. He was all NBA six times. He was an – or five times. He was an all-star six times. 
uh, Sean Marion obviously had the longevity over Amari, but Amari, for, you know, when he was at his peak, when he was playing in Phoenix, even that first season in New York, he was just an explosive finisher. He was All-NBA first team at one point. They considered him the best center in the league, despite nobody really being convinced that uh, Amari was totally a center. But uh, (laughs) nobody thinks that Amari Stoudemire has a Hall of Fame case at all. But when you look at it, he had, like, seven incredible seasons, like top-of-the-pops kind of seasons. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm going to throw Manu in there because I think uh, Manu just doesn't get the uh, recognition that he deserves, um, you know, because he was on the Spurs and they were all such a good team together. But when you look at his resume, I mean, he's an absolute lock for the Hall of Fame for me, but I'm not sure if he is going to get in. I mean, I think he probably will. Um, you know, four-time champion, all-star, all-NBA, third team twice. I think that gets forgotten. He should have been finals MVP in 2005, and he's had the European success and the Argentinian success. So... Uh, but he's I, I gotta get in. He's, he's I, he, get in. he is a lock. Well, a lock I, with the international play. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. I don't think uh, he slipped under the radar at all. No. No. Uh, I, I do. I, I do. Because I, I think I think people. Um, I I don't think I think people like obviously look at Tim Duncan and and then they sort of lump Tony Parker and Manu together. I, I don't think enough people really appreciate. I think just people how good think Ginobili's better than Tony Parker. Am I wrong? <sighs> I would say he has a more, at least a more well-liked uh, yeah. legacy in the NBA, for sure. You know, everybody yeah. is a Manu Ginobili fan. Nobody's saying, oh, man, this guy's terrible. It's not like when he first came to the league and everybody was calling him a flopper. By the time Manu retired, he was beloved. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I think when you look at his pure numbers for what he did in the NBA, they don't jump off the page at you. Yeah. And that's what I think yeah. a lot of people look at. But his entire basketball resume, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a certainty for me, and I hope he does get in in his first try. But, um, you know, sometimes players like that do just get overlooked. You know, people people just don't yeah. quite appreciate how, how good he was and how important he was to the Spurs. Maybe it's just, yeah, you you have Ginobili on like your Mount Rushmore of greatest oh, players of all time. So I guess sure. to you, he's under the radar, but maybe yeah. to everyone else. Yeah, it's, maybe. Let's hear what people think. Agree, disagree with uh, Manu being under the radar, or who else do we forget? There's obviously a ton. Next question. Sup, nothing but layups. I was watching the Warriors highlights from the 2017-18 season, and I noticed it didn't matter if Kevin Durant hit five threes in a row. The crowd was never as loud as one transition Steph Curry three so my question is is there a player on another team that seems to get his home crowd going more than anyone else on the team even if he isn't the best player also I can't think of a good name for the role that that person would play turn up love you guys awesome both those questions from Brian so yeah a guy uh that may not be the best player on the team but for whatever reason he's obviously a fan favorite of some sort and his home crowd just erupts uh when he when he does something impressive anyone come to mind Trey I think there's a couple of different genres of this fan favorite, a player who gets the crowd completely fired up. On one hand, you got the novelty acts, you know, the guys that are kind of at the end of the bench, the absolute freak shows in the NBA. You're Boban, Brian Scalabrini, Alex Caruso, Kent Bazemore, Taco Fall, the unusual guys who everybody loves when they come into the game because more than likely your team is having a blowout victory and we're going to get to see something silly happen here. That happens all the time. Everybody's familiar with those. The other genre, I would say, is the our guys. Guys you've raised up from the mud to become a valuable player on your team. A couple um, that come to mind for me are Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam with the Raptors since they came yep. through the G League system. And then for the Celtics, uh, Marcus Smart. The guy is like the heart and soul of their team. And, you know, he could score three points in a game, but if he dives on the floor ten times, the crowd's going crazy. 
Yeah, and I would add to that list um, maybe a Patty Mills. Sure. You know, playing so long in San Antonio. I feel like when Patty Mills hits a three, that place goes bonkers, too. You want to talk about an under-the-radar guy from the Spurs? Maybe Patty Mills, Lily. <laughs> yeah, Patty is great. He's been great for Australia, too. Uh, another guy is uh, a bit of a journeyman, but everywhere he goes, the crowd gets into it because he comes off the bench and is just a walking bucket because whenever he gets a ball, they just go, Lou, when it's Lou Williams. So uh, mm. sort of started there with Michael Cooper. The Lakers used to do that back in the day. But uh, I think I think that's what they, you know. people know when Lou comes out. It's like, great, we're going to see some guy just go out there and go on a bit of a scoring stretch. Yeah, that's why it's going to be so weird if the NBA does come back, that you don't have this factor whatsoever with the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors, not in the playoffs, but a team like that just wouldn't have that momentum, that adrenaline pumping through their veins when Steph lights it up. I and mean, we've been here in Atlanta, and, and I think a few years ago, Kyle Korver was that kind of guy, specifically mm. with the threes. You kind of have to know it's going in when you're talking about the threes. Uh, you you got to feel like it's going in for, mm. for the fans. I, and I wonder, I wonder if it's crazy enough to, to actually pipe in some music for the players on the floor. Is that stupid? Pipe in some music, pipe in some fans. Like, it's probably stupid. It's not going to happen for this summer. I would say you're in. You're playing for the for the guys on the floor. Yeah, they're playing. They're going up uh, and down. You, oh, oh, so me piping so, some fans just to, so it's not squeaky squeak, and, <laughs> and it's not like you're playing in an empty gym. Oh, I, I want, see. I wonder if they they try that out just to uh, give it. a yeah, shot. Yeah, because you've been talking about. I mean, we just talked about it on the Up Down Report yesterday on that podcast. Like, yeah, the idea of, as the viewer getting virtual fans and tasks. You talked about having you'd, you'd like to in theory hear things like you know fake crowds put in stuff like that but the next level is will the players hear that that's interesting yeah because yeah. Yeah, i guess in a way you could just give that to the viewer but in my head i always thought that the players would be hearing it too <laughs> um yeah. which is yeah. weird that's that strange weird. yeah i wonder i think i think it's going to be silent in there oh man uh, what team if we were to take the current 16 playoff teams and that's all we do um with no fans It'd be a fun uh, debate to have, like, which team is hurt the most by not having live fans <laughs> in a playoff game and which team is actually, like, hurt the least be, uh, maybe because of their fan base and it's not that crazy of gym to, to, to play in. Mm. I don't know. That's something we can uh, talk out at a later podcast. I would throw in a, as a name for this type of player, um, as, as Brian asked, Firecracker? Because he makes the place like go that. boom. Yeah, Firecracker. Ah, firecracker, Patty Mills, sure. Sure, he's a little firecracker. All right, next one here. Hey, no dunks. I was thinking about how weird it will be for a kid in 20 years to be looking at NBA stat holograms on Wikipedia and see 2019-20 season canceled or shortened due to global pandemic. Has there ever been a time you've been looking through old stats in NBA history and seen something odd? Thanks for the entertainment, Dave in Calgary, but from Toronto. Lee, you've seen anything odd when looking <laughs> through the, the NBA almanacs? Well, yeah, um, whenever it comes to Manute Bowl, like he just had some of the craziest lines of all time. So I pulled out a couple that I really liked here. Uh, he had a 2.13 block 11 <laughs> rebound game. He had another 6.12 block 17 rebound game. And at one stage, he had a triple-double with 10 points, 15 blocks and 19 <laughs> rebounds in a game. Holy moly. <laughs> now, I'm not, I, I haven't verified this, but apparently in college, 
Manu Bol had a game. He had 32 points, 29 rebounds, and 31 blocks. That's what... That, that's what 31? Come that's, on. That's what the internet is saying. Now, where I've found it, I've found it with other, you know, big lines that did happen. You know, like uh, yeah. Fat Lever had 31 points, 16 rebounds, 20 assists. Shaq had 24, 28, and 15. So... It may have happened in college that Manu Bowl nearly had a 30-30-30. With blocks. <laughs> yeah. At some point in that game, maybe <laughs> no, stop no, driving no, into Manu no, Bowl. No, Just take, exactly. take the jumper, man. Take the exactly. three. But that's yeah. the thing. If he's getting all those blocks, how's he getting all those rebounds as well? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, that's a good one. Manu Bowl lines. Those are odd. Anything else, guys? Every Wilt Chamberlain stat just seems messed up or like a misprint when you actually look at his uh like his basketball reference pa- page the one that sticks out to me the most though is the 61-62 season he played 48.5 minutes per game he averaged <laughs> more minutes per game than there are in an NBA game crazy yeah overtime that is a weird one overtime but he also was ejected from one game after playing <laughs> a mere 40 minutes so he must have gone into so many overtimes while also averaging yeah. 50 points a game that season yeah, yeah. Sort of along Manute Bowl, a defensive center came from the continent of Africa, Dikembe Mutombo. He was an all star in his rookie year, which, you know, not every yeah. superstar gets. You know, LeBron wasn't an all star in his mm-hmm. rookie year, Kobe wasn't an all star in his rookie year. But if you're an all star in your rookie year, you're going to be rookie of the year at the end of the year. But Dikembe mm. didn't win rookie of the year. So that's just strange. And went to Larry Johnson that year. You know, the guys, the superstars that get. You know, an all-star honor like MJ or Shaq or Tim Duncan in the rookie year, they also hold up the ROI at the end of it. Hmm. I, I would think that a guy who was an all-star and didn't win rookie of the year is probably the only guy who's ever done it is Dikembe Mutombo. It's a guess. It's a mm. wild guess, but I wasn't going to go through all the almanacs. To figure <laughs> that one out. Did we ask Mutombo about that when we had him on the starters? Does anyone remember? No, he was uh, he was holding court after he was on our show, mm-hmm. and everybody was around him, and you know, Dikembe just being Dikembe told the story of, of him being an All Star in his rookie year and not winning uh, the okay, trophy at the end of it. Yeah, so we talked yeah. to him about it, just not on the air. Yeah. Well, he was talking to everybody else. It's not like we were asking him any questions. Dikembe just was oh. willing to chat and chat and chat to anyone to anyone who would listen. He was great. That was one of my favorite moments at the starters. <laughs> just uh, Matumbo sitting at our desk and everybody just, like he said, gathered around him as he held court just telling stories. Oh, my God, it's amazing. All right, next one here. No dunks. I was watching some behind-closed-doors Bundesliga this past weekend. The soccer looks the same as always, but hearing the echoing shouts of players and coaches instead of the roar of the crowd is very weird. Yes, uh, German soccer back in our lives is what we're talking about here. If NBA games are played without fans, I think we should get someone like Matty O a soundboard with cheers and chants that they can play over the loudspeakers during the game. Look at this. This is what you were talking about, Tass. What would you put on your soundboard if you were running audio in an empty NBA arena? This is from... Chief! Oh, oh, we all got chieved right there. Um, so yeah, a Matteo soundboard. What are you putting on it, Tess? If I was the PA announcer in the arena, I don't think I'd put anything on it. I think I would just flow with the game. I'd see a big three from whoever go up, 
Calcor, I would just throw something out there. I would just be excited on the mic. With but your voice, I, like your oh, motor oh, mouth oh, jokes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Let's let's have some fun out there. It's like the and one mixtape tour. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. baby. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't go be as annoying as the and one guys. No offense, but like I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a running dialogue for forty eight <laughs> minutes. I mean, you got to keep it. Got to keep it a little bit special, you know. Uh, but but listen, if you're throwing stuff in the soundboard, I did come up with a few of these as well. Guys on fire, hit a few in a, in a row. Hits another. I want to hear Jim Carrey from The Mask. Smoking. Okay. Okay. Uh, guy gets blocked. Stop right now. Thank you very much. I think people. I think players would absolutely hate that. So that's a good one. Get them riled up. Um, and my last one here: players scores using some footwork, like a euro step. Here comes the odd step up, and then all the fans that aren't in the crowd would sing "Murderer." Uh, but that, that's what I got. I got. I got those three right there. Yeah, yeah. This idea of someone sort of doing the N one guy, like you said, is pretty funny to me. We should just get the um, NBA Jam guy. Oh Tim, yeah, I'll uh, do Tim it. Kitzro- Kitzro, I think his name is, um, and just yeah, give him a mic and have him just do NBA Jam line, boom, shakalaka, like during the game. There might be something there. He would do it. I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. He would uh, love to announce some starting lineups. He'll hit you with some lines. Um, I think yeah. it's a great idea. Just have him fire it up. That's another way you can get fans to interact with the game, right? You can do that at home. Just calling yep. out NBA Jam lines. Go for it. Yep. I was surprised to see that uh, the TBJ soundboard. Both versions still available online. You can look it up, listen to all those classic drops. Uh, The one that stuck out to me is that when an opponent is complaining to a referee, I would love to hear somebody drop the cool story, bro. (laughs) Cool story, bro. (laughs) Well, anything from Cam Stewart at any time, I think, would still be hilarious. Swim up, bar! Yeah, exactly. Swim up, bar! Look at you. <laughs> oh, Kawhi Leonard! Anytime he does something, <laughs> Leonard. JD, what about you? Yeah, when Tass was talking there, I would remind—I was reminded of when he did the impersonation of the guy selling popcorn and peanuts <laughs> up in the stands, and I just—I just just to add a little atmosphere to the empty arena, just. Tasco and popcorn peanuts. Do, do it, Tas. Do it, Tas. You know the guy I'm talking about, right? Oh, you got it, man. Was it popcorn? Popcorn peanuts. Caramel slushies. That's what it I was. thought. It was strawberry slushies. Strawberry slushies. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I said caramel slushie, is yeah. caramel slushie a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> Should be. Sounds delicious. Oh, uh, he, he is. I actually have to find his name. He's been working in Toronto all over the sports scene for decades. Still getting gigs. Oh yeah. Uh, hopefully like he's still working. Hopefully, hopefully he's still working. They should they should just have him in there in empty arenas making it happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. That's a really good point, JD. Just wandering around with strawberry slushies <laughs> for no one to buy. Well, the teams might buy it. You know, they get thirsty while they're playing. Or caramel slushies because no one would buy those anyways. <laughs> whatever the heck those are. Uh, next email here. Hey, no dunk contest participants. I was telling a buddy of mine, now a diehard No Dunks listener, about Lee's championship asterisks list. This got me thinking about other arbitrary notes from previous NBA seasons, and with the last dance wrapping up, I'm interested in the best player debate. But not of all time. I'm talking season to season. For example, 
MJ was indisputably the best player in the 97-98 season, but who was it the season after, or in 99-2000, etc.? I feel like Lee would have a blast doing this and would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Turnips, lollipops, ostriches. <laughs> Ryan in L.A. Okay. Turnips, uh, lollipops, ostriches, <laughs> get them on their head. <laughs> that was horrible. Sorry, that was my worst, was great. worst one I've ever done. I'm usually better at that voice. All right, Lee, what do you uh, think? All right, yeah, Lee. great question, Ryan. Uh, you're absolutely right. I did have a blast doing this one. Had to put the kids to, on the TV yesterday for a couple of hours while I went through each season here. <laughs> a couple hours? Oh. Yeah. Well, you had to dig a little pretty deep for some of these because, you know, I mean, we're going back 20 years. So, um, all right. So, anyway, this is good because, you know, we often talk about, you know, how many MVPs would a guy like LeBron have if he, you know, versus how many he actually has. Yeah. So now I have the definitive results. Okay. And I used a pretty simple philosophy. I just look back at the, at the season, including the playoffs. You didn't have to have won the title, but just not flamed out either. So let's start with the tough one, 98-99, the season that nobody cares about. Carl Malone was MVP. Spurs were champs in a shortened season. But everyone sort of forgets about this season. And I don't think one player truly dominated. But I'm going with Alonzo Mourning. He finished second in MVP voting, and he romped away with Defensive Player of the Year. So two-way impact. Now, the Heat blew it in the playoffs. That's the problem. They lost uh, to, the, to the New York Knicks in five. But Tim Duncan went on to win the championship and finals MVP. But was he truly the best player then? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. he was that season. So I'm going so you with are, So you are taking playoffs into consideration, right? I am. I am. Okay. But, but, it, but see, it, it, you know, immediately it sort of like has a bit of a fault there because the Heat lose when they really should have won. They, they should have gone to the finals that season. They absolutely should have had you know, number one seed in the East, but they didn't. But your, again... Your asterisks have asterisks. Oh, they do. They do, man. They do. I mean, I hate it when I have a formula that's, that's uh, impenetrable and then it falls down in the first season. <laughs> the anyway. first one. Okay. So, so 98-99. Yes. 99-2000. Okay. Uh, Shaq was MVP in a landslide and really starting to dominate the league. Lakers won 67 games, although... They went to five games in the first round with the Kings and almost lost to the Blazers as well in seven, if you remember, obviously, that uh, classic game seven in L.A. But they won the title in six over Indiana. Shaq went for 38-17 and 17 on 61%. He was the best player in the league hmm. in 2000. 2001, Allen Iverson was the MVP and had a great season, but he wasn't the best player. Shaq was at the prime uh, and at a peak dominance for me. And you really only have to look at the playoffs. The, the Lakers only lost one game, and of course it was a famous Iverson 48-point game, the step over. But no one, I don't think, really would say Shaq wasn't just the, uh, the behemoth that he was in 2001 because uh, he was just dominant. Kobe was great. Iverson was great. But Shaq should have been MVP that season. In 2000, 2001, you should have yes. repeated. Is yes, what you're he should have. Yes, he should have. Uh, now, I got a little trivia, little trivia question about 2000, okay. 2001 for all you guys. Who led the league in total points scored that year? And it wasn't Iverson and it wasn't Shaq. McGrady? No. Glenn Robinson? No. Crazy. That would be a crazy Shreve pick. Abdul Rahim. No, but it's a, it is a crazy sort of player. Um, better than those. Oh, it better? Yeah, better. Better. Tough, though. Got a tie to Michael Jordan. Carl Malone? Uh, no. No. Nope. It's, it's a guard. Mitch Richmond? No. No. Mm, Not a Hall of Famer, this player. He's a coach, I believe, now. He's not a coach in the NBA, I should have said. But. Hmm. Penny Hardaway? Uh, no. No. Oh, tough one here. Jawan Howard. No, 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 no. He's, he's uh, trying to think wow. if Tass has done any television work with this guy. I don't think you have. I don't Gary think, Payton. Uh, 
No, 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 no. I know Tess. He's a guard. He coaches. He's a two-time All-Star. Um, he was a 95-96 All-Rookie, if that helps. Played for a lot of teams. Antoine uh, Jameson. Oh, Jerry no. Stackhouse? Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, Thanks for playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah tough good one. one. Tough yeah. one. Good one. All right. Good one. All right. Sorry. All right. 2001-2002, Tim Duncan was MVP and starting to show his uh, dominance in the league, but Shaq was still the best. Finished third in MVP voting, second year in a row for him. But the Lakers brushed past the Spurs in five in the conference finals, then swept the Nets to three-peat. Shaq was finals MVP. He was still the best player in the league for me then. Uh, 2002-2003, back-to-back MVPs for Duncan officially in a championship for the Spurs. And the Lakers dynasty was coming to an end. Uh, McGrady had a good season. KG, Kobe and Shaq were great. But I'm going with Tim Duncan for this season because they ended the Lakers' run in the playoffs, even though the Lakers were starting to implode a little bit. But uh, Duncan, MVP and finals MVP, 23-13 and three blocks on the season. A pretty dominant season for him. 2003-2004, this was a tough one because the Shaq and Kobe feud was at its peak, but the Lakers still made it to the finals with home court advantage and really you know, could have and should have won the championship, but they just hated each other. But I don't think either Kobe or Shaq was the best player that season. I think it was down to Duncan or KG. And I'm going with Kevin Garnett. Uh, Kevin Garnett played 82 games and took the Wolves to the Western Conference Finals. They obviously lost to the Lakers there. But it was almost like a breakout year of sorts for KG because he went so far in the playoffs. And he had a monster season. 24-14-5, a steal and a half and 2.2 blocks a game. So I'm going with KG for 03-04. Right, and that uh, was the one I alluded to. KG one, Duncan second, and Jermaine O'Neal three that year. You're right. There you go. Yeah, oh four, oh five. Well, oh, close boy. your ears for this one, uh, Canadian oh, fans, because Steve Nash returned to Phoenix, had a great season, and won MVP. But I'm actually going with Shaq because of uh, the impact he had in Miami. Only twenty three and eleven, but the Heat finished fifty nine and twenty three. And the Spurs won the title, and Duncan was finals MVP, but that should have been Manu's MVP in the finals that year. And this is why I'm not going with Duncan that season, because the Spurs at this point were really starting to show just how good they were as a team. You know, well-coached. Parker was great at that point. Manu, I've already mentioned. They had a very, very good team. And the Heat, this is where the Heat really blew it, though. They, they led Detroit 3-2 in the conference finals, but lost in seven. Dwayne Wade missed game six with a rib injury and was probably a little banged up in game seven. So... I went back to Shaq for that one just because, again, he took the heat into immediate contention. Um, as, as great as Dwayne Wade was, Wade still wasn't a superstar at that point. Okay. Crazy okay. The, uh, point total for Steve Nash in that year. Yeah. First MVP year. Yeah, Fifth, 15 and a yeah. half. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, like the, the Suns obviously had a great season, and he was great, but I don't think he was better than Shaq, and I don't think Shaq likes the fact that Nash won that one either. Uh, now we head into the, the, the post-Shaq pre-LeBron dominance era, 05-06. Back-to-back for Nash on the official ballot. Yep. But Kobe averaged 35 a game that season, and he had the 81-point performance. The Lakers finished seventh, so it wasn't a great you know, playoff run. Of course, they blew the 3-1 to the, uh, to the Suns as well. But when you look at that team with Smush, Chris Mim, they did have Lamar Odom, but that was about it. But I'm going with Kobe for that season because I felt wow. like if he... Well, I'm going with him because I felt that if Kobe wanted to go for 45 a night that season, he could have. So it was kind of like a, I'm just going to do everything I can for this team and drag them along. Would have liked a little more playoff success, of course, but uh, I don't think Shaq dominated. LeBron wasn't quite there yet. And again, I don't really think uh, Nash was the best player in the league at that point. So, okay. um, you know, another tough one. Now, this one, 6 7 this was Dirk when he led the Mavs to the 67 wins. And Dirk was great. The Mavs were a great team. 
But LeBron, LeBron started here, I think, uh, when he became, you know, the best player because in 07, you remember, that was when they upset the Pistons in the conference finals and LeBron took that awful Cavs team to the finals. They got swept by the Spurs. And again, the Spurs were a very, very good team. But I think LeBron was already sort of saying, I'm the best player in the league. If you were to pick a team, the next, uh, pick a player to start a team with the next season, I think you're going with LeBron from then, from the end of the 06, 07 season. Uh, now it gets a bit boring because, you know, once LeBron's the best player, you know, he's pretty much the best player for, for a lot of years here. And Are I think- fast was... forwarding 10 years or what's going on here? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much because uh, Kobe was MVP in 08. But yeah. again, I think LeBron was the best player. Now in the playoffs, this was of course when the, when the Celtics and the Cavs had a great series and it went to seven games. LeBron had that, uh, you know, uh, that huge dunk over the Celtics. But I still think that LeBron was the best player even though the Celtics went on to win the championship and Kobe was MVP. But, um, you know, it, it, it was at that point, we were really seeing LeBron live up to all the hype. So give that to LeBron in 07, 08. 08, 09, yeah, LeBron, um, okay. 66 and 16 Cavs. I mean, they blew it. They blew it in the playoffs, losing to the Magic, of course. But at that point, no one was picking LeBron to be, uh, no one was picking anyone better than LeBron. 09, 10, back-to-back MVPs in real life and four straight seasons as the league's best player, in my opinion. Um, you weren't taking Kobe at that point. Kevin Durant wasn't quite there yet. And LeBron, and Dwight was good, but LeBron was better. 10-11, uh, voter fatigue set in a little bit. Derrick Rose had a great season leading the Bulls. The Bulls had the best record. But in the conference finals, you saw what LeBron did there uh, to, to Chicago. Um, Dwight was impactful at both ends, no doubt. One defensive player of the year. But still, you're picking LeBron. And you're picking him in the shortened season, 11-12. and 12. He won the... Why, 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 not, why not Dirk for 10-11? With that playoff run, yeah, he did. He, he did have a good run, but um, I just don't think anyone was picking Dirk as a better player than LeBron okay. for that season. Okay. I think yeah, uh, you know, like the Heat should have. Well, they you know they made the finals. They led two one, and and LeBron definitely didn't have a great final series, but that was a shock, I think, to everyone. I, yeah. I think um, at that point we we're expecting LeBron to just, especially because they teamed up with uh, with with Bosch and Wade, they were expected to win. They finally did win in 11 and 12. Um, LeBron won the title, won league MVP, won finals MVP. Not much more to say there. Same in 12-13. They win the finals. Uh, he was he was back-to-back um, MVP, of course. They win in seven over the Spurs. Here's a trivia question. Who's the only other player in the 12-13 season to get a first-place vote for MVP? Yeah, that was... Mello. Uh, yeah, That's Carmelo right, Anthony. Oh, yeah. nice call. He nice should call. have been unanimous that season. Gary uh, Washburn. Yep, that's right. That's right. It was Gary Washburn. Um, okay, 13-14. Now, this was a little bit of a tough one because Durant won MVP. But LeBron, as great as he was, still had a great season, but he sort of showed us already that he was in a little bit of cruise control during the regular season. Mm-hmm. And I think Durant led the league in scoring 32.7 rebounds, five assists. And they didn't obviously win the championship. They lost to the Spurs. But I think I'm going to go with Durant for that season just because, again, I think LeBron sort of just took his foot off the gas a little bit. And Durant Durant showed that he was going to be a true superstar from that season. So I'm giving, I'm, I'm breaking things up a little bit and going with Durant for 13-14. You do real Sounds MVP. like a little Ellis, 
fatigue right there. If you ask me. <laughs> uh, 14-15, the rise of the Warriors and LeBron's first season back in Cleveland. Steph was incredible, one MVP, Harden second. But come playoff time, LeBron took over. Now, remember in the playoffs, he lost Kevin Love in the first game of the first series to the Celtics, and they swept them. They lost a couple to Derrick Rose. Of course, Rose had that banked-in game winner that put the Bulls up 2-1, but that, that was the last game the Bulls won. And then the Cavs swept the 60-win Hawks. And then they lose Kyrie Irving in the first game of the finals um, against the Warriors. And they still go up 2-1 in that series. LeBron, remember, he had Del Vadova, you know, Tristan Thompson and those guys. And, and it was like, man, if LeBron can do this, he will be the champ or, the, or you know, the, the greatest ever. He wasn't able to, but I think, again, I don't think Steph was better than LeBron that season. I think LeBron was still better, uh, okay. but he just couldn't win the championship. 15-16, uh, now this one was a tough one because, Ooh, yeah. I mean, it came down to basically game seven. And I think uh, you have to go with LeBron simply because they won the championship from down 3-1. Wow. I know, I know, I know. Hold I know. on, hold on. 15 I mean, 16, this is the year Curry's averaging 30 a game, right? Yeah, he's 30 he's a game. better they than won, he was the year before. Yeah, They, won, they went 73 oh, and yeah, 9, they, of course. Yeah. But, but, I mean, you know, come playoff time, down 3-1. Like, that, that had never been done before, what LeBron right. did. You know, and, and seriously, after that series, would you have taken LeBron or Steph? I think everyone would have taken LeBron simply because yeah, of what we saw him yeah. done. It's, it's so tough. Probably I mean, some right. of these could have gone either way. But, um, you know, it, it, given the question and the way it was framed, I was like, this is what we talk about a lot. Like, ah, oh, LeBron's the best player, even though yeah. other guys win awards. So, uh so I went with that one. I went with, okay. um, I went there. Okay, 16-17, the Russell Westbrook triple-double season. But, um, I mean, you know. You know, he went out there and he and he did he did a great job. He did a great job, but it didn't really lead to any playoff success for him. Um, it, the really the only question was, would LeBron now be able to repeat and beat the Kevin Durant uh, teamed up Warriors? Right. They couldn't. But again, I think we all looked and thought that the Warriors were so stacked that it was tough for LeBron. But was Kevin Durant or Steph better than LeBron? I don't think so because we know that basically the Warriors had to stop LeBron and they win the championship and they and they couldn't even do that really. But LeBron was still the best player. 17-18. Uh, yeah, sorry. Same again. LeBron's still the best player. Uh, James Harden won MVP. Uh, and they, again, I think they a lot of people would disagree with these ones. Like, you can make the real strong case for a Durant. Because that, that was the argument, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... But again, who would you pick if you had to pick one player back then, Durant or LeBron? I mean, that, that's, what I, that's what I kept coming back to. I'm like, well, everyone was picking LeBron. But listen, I've got, a, I've got one here, 18-19 last season. Finally a change because LeBron had a bad season by his standards. He was injured. He missed the playoffs. And even when he did play, when he came back from the playoffs, he just didn't look that interested. Giannis was MVP, but Kawhi put an end to all that. And yep. even though Kawhi sat out 22 games, he was finals MVP and he took the Raptors of all teams to the championship. So... I'm going with Kawhi for last season. I think he was the best player. Um, you know, like, again, Durant was injured, of course, in the playoffs, and, and, and the Warriors should have won the championship, I think, uh, going into that season, but they didn't. So I went with Kawhi. So my final count, LeBron should have had 11 MVPs by now. Shaq, Shaq four, and then one each to Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Durant, Kobe, Kawhi, and Alonzo Mourning. Unlucky. Wow. Hey kids, hey kids, uh, (laughs) turn off Paw Patrol, daddy's done. (laughs) So uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Steve Nash, Steph Curry, James Harden and Westbrook all miss out on an MVP. Yeah. 11 MVPs for LeBron. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that'd be interesting. That would make the uh, goat uh, conversation a lot more interesting, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure, yeah. between him but, and MJ. You know, when, when you look back at, like, Westbrook's triple-double season, like, it, it was great. But, I mean, it was just more like the storyline. Like, oh, wow, he did it. This yeah. is incredible. You know, no one really thought he was the best player in the league. Um, did you give give any uh, consideration to Kawhi Leonard during the 16-17 season, his last real season with the Spurs? Finished yes. third in MVP. I remember Zach Lowe voted for him because he was a two-way player. Mm. Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. It, it, it came down to, though, like in that situation, you know, who's the better offensive player? LeBron, who's the better defensive player? Probably Kawhi. But again, when LeBron decides to defend... He's as good as Kawhi, in my opinion, uh, and he still was then, even though, again, he's, he, he, he's, he's definitely eased off on the uh, defensive end, LeBron, but when he locks in, and, and also I remember, like, sometimes LeBron would play point guard for the Heat, sometimes he would play center, sometimes he would play forward, like that, no one else can really do that. No he's one, a real in, Sean Marion out there. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you All go. right, let's hear if you guys agree, disagree. I think you got a. I think you went a little too many with LeBron. If I'm being yes. honest, I got him maybe around more of a nine. Maybe I'll even give you ten. Yeah. But uh, yeah, okay, I think that was my list. biggest beef. When you're handing out nine, ten, and eleven to LeBron, you're factoring in the playoffs and seeing him in a, a seven-game set. You'd probably pick Bron over other teams, but. The season is 82 games. You kind of have to play yeah. hard for most of those games. And, and then the other beef is Steph. I know you said 15-16 season, they came back from 3-1. No one has, has done that. But no one did what Steph did that year either. The way yeah, no, look, I, the you percentages, know, yeah. 30 points, like yeah. 50% from the floor, 45 from three, 30 points <laughs> per game. The free throw line, Lee. What about his free I know. throw? <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> there's no, there's no doubt that that was uh, one I wanted to make the case for Steph. You know, I love Steph. I'm a big yeah. Steph guy. But, uh, but again, I just had to look at the the final game of the season and those final three games. <laughs> it all you came were down to the last minute of the season. It, it basically did. We talk about Jordan's last minute against the Jazz. What about LeBron's last minute against the? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, Kawhi. Uh, excuse me, Kyrie hits the big three, but. Um, but, you know, it's just... Uh, that's it's why just, Kyrie's the MVP of that season. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. Thanks thanks right. for that question, Ryan. I want to do another one like that. So if anyone's got an idea, oh, let me know. I got one. Uh, next week, do the best sports podcast for every year from <laughs> 2000 on. <laughs> okay. I got a good feeling we're coming for LeBron's 11 on this one. Uh, look forward to that list. Uh, look forward to it. Okay, great, great stuff there, Lily. Impressive work. Uh, thanks for uh, putting your kids on to the TV for a couple hours. <laughs> All right. Hello, no Dunkaroonies. Medium fan here from Colorado. Um, <laughs> I was just looking back at old stand-up clips from Blake Griffin recently and realized that he has sort of observational sense of humor that kind of reminds me of Jerry Seinfeld. Anyway, that got me thinking. If Blake Griffin had his own sitcom like Seinfeld, who would be his friend equivalents? You know, is CP3 George... Is Alex Caruso Larry David? And who plays Newman? Turn up. Love you guys. That's from Daniel O, a medium-sized fan of <laughs> No Dunks. Um, JD, why don't you take this one? Who would who would be the NBA equivalents of a of a Seinfeld cast? Yeah, well, I I I like this idea, but I would like to pitch that we make it more of a curb your enthusiasm style. We okay. send Blake 
back to L.A. after he's retired. I mentioned uh, that Dennis Rodman kind of reminds me of uh, J.B. Smoove in The Last Dance. So he's going to live in Blake's guest house, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of like Leon Black. He'll be a fixture in the house, a guy with a unique worldview for Blake to bounce his ideas and schemes off of. I would like to cast Nikki Glaser as his friend, Nikki Glaser, the great comedian. Um, and they will have a sort of will they, won't they kind of storyline. He was on the Alec Baldwin roast with her, and he called her Larry Bird. And there's some chemistry there. I, th- I think <laughs> that she would, the, the two of them would be great. The nemesis or Newman character, I would like to cast Zach Randolph. Mm. Oh, they they both one. seem like the nicest guys off the court, but I think it would be hilarious if they hated each other. And correct me if I'm wrong, they did have a beef a few years yeah. back during the playoffs uh, yeah. when the Grizzlies mm-hmm. were playing the Clippers. And uh, did Blake knock him down? And then Zebo seemed hurt, and then Zebo started doing push-ups. Is that a th- was that the two of them? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, okay. Um, and I think that like Zach Randolph is maybe the single player that uh, Blake Griffin has played the most against in his career. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's well, definitely that, up there. Well, that works great. And uh, I would cast uh, Dikembe Mutombo as Blake's agent, who's just always <laughs> saying no, no, no to him. Just <laughs> the, the so, that's my pitch. All right, let's write it. Uh, we'll again have to run it by Matteo. <laughs> The, the script, but uh, we'll get on that. Oh, good stuff. Next one here. Hey, fellas. Thanks for the great content. I've been a fan since back in the TBJ days. My question is, if you were to pick the best starting five from Movie Ballers, who would you pick? That's Andy Ion with that question. Perfect question right now. We've been flying through all these movie reviews. So, uh, yeah. Skeets, take us through your top five. Yeah, I had a couple of rules before I get to my uh, starting five. It's one, I couldn't take an actual NBA player that was playing himself in a movie, right? So I could, I'm not taking Michael Jordan from Space Jam because he's mm. just Michael Jordan. That seems like cheating to me. I could take an NBA player as long as they're acting in another role. And I decided I couldn't uh, double up from a movie. So, for example, I couldn't take Billy and Sydney, let's say, from White Man Can't Jump. In the end, I don't take either of them, but that was just a rule I made. So, uh, I'm sure I'm going to get some blowback to this uh, starting five. That's fine. It's part of the fun. Here's mine. My point guard. I haven't seen this movie, but I'm going to assume he's pretty good in it. Um, Uncle Drew. All right? Uncle Drew from Uncle Drew. Kyrie Irving. He's my point guard. Let's not overthink this. My shooting guard is Jesus Shuttlesworth from He Got Game, which is going to be the movie we're watching this Friday in film session. We're going to watch Spike Lee's He Got Game with Ray Allen in the role of Jesus Shuttlesworth, and you got Denzel in it. I mean, he's, he's an incredible player in this game. I won't spoil the movie yet, but uh, he's so damn good, he's basically getting his father out of jail. That's how is, good he uh, is. Is Denzel Washington one of your favorite actors of all time? <laughs> Are you setting me up for some sort of office uh, quote here? Lately? He's uh, not my favorite actor of all time. You know my favorite actor of all time is? Cindy Poitier. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> all right. My small forward is... I'm going to go Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers. Okay, I, I want a pure shooter. In want... today's era, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, You think fine. you can hang with the athletes today yes, in today's he could. basketball movies? He could. He's Larry Bird, man. That's basically what he is uh, in this movie. So give me Jimmy Chitwood. Uh, my power forward. This is the toughest decision, I think. Uh, it feels like, you know, there's not a lot of... There's not a ton of big guys um, in basketball movies. You know, it's a more... 
of a of a guard sort of base story. But I'm going Shep. I'm taking Shep mm. from above the rim. I, you know, he's got some height there. In today's game, Trey, as a big guy, he can still step out there and shoot the jumper. Um, and he's physical. He's sort of like... He's basically Charles Oakley with a, with a yeah. bit of a jump shot to him. So I, I want a little toughness on my team. So Shep. And to uh, close out my, my starting five, I'm going to go with Neon Budo um, from Blue Chips. That is Shaq. He's incredible. Um, you know, I was going to have to pick. I love Penny. So I was like, ooh, do I take Penny or Shaq? But in the end, I'll take Neon as my center. My sixth man, just to round this out, Scott Howard from Teen Wolf. Yes. Um, yeah, you gotta. Get, you know, he never passes the ball. I was gonna make him my starting point guard, but he never passes the rock. So he's clutch, though. He's clutch. He's clutch. He's clutch. So he can come off the bench. He can be my Lou Williams type of guy. Is and he my gonna co- be a wolf or is he gonna be the man? Um, <laughs> mm, uh, on the road, he will be a man. At home, he'll be a wolf. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to travel with a wolf. No, no. And then uh, my coach, just to close this out, is um, you know I thought about Eddie. I thought about Coach Carter, but. I want to keep the Airbud series going, so let's make a dog a coach. Airbud is my coach. <laughs> coach There's Bud. nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't coach a basketball team. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so there it is. Let's hear from you guys out there mm. at No Dunks Inc. or just at me specifically, mm. J.U. Skeets. Uh, who would be your uh, hypothetical starting five um, from you know fictional movie ballers? Is there if anyone else? Well, if you need a uh, head of marketing, you can get Style Stalinsky in there. He was oh, pretty good God. at that. <laughs> God. Have you dropped this already? You dropped this Never. weird bit you got going? <laughs> this guy loves Styles. Right. We got a lot more questions to still answer, but before we do, a quick word from our sponsors. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo, for their big day, whether it be a wedding, a prom, or a Webby Awards ceremony. Just imagine us five guys strolling into a gala event to accept a major award (laughs) decked out head to toe in classic peak lapel tuxedos from the Black Tux. That's what I love about the Black Tux. It's their easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. You just pick a style at theblacktux.com, classic for the No Dunks crew since we only make classics, then you request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. If online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. So if you want your Webby Award ceremony to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code DUNKS. That's theblacktux.com. Code DUNKS for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux. Formal wear for the moment. People have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions 
or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash nodunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash nodunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, next question. What's up, no tiddlywinks? With the weather starting to warm up here in Toronto, I have to admit something embarrassing. I've been on a huge White Claw kick. I have to ask, have you guys tried White Claws? What are your thoughts on these tasty treats? If you aren't into them, what's your go-to summer drink? Feel free to share any recipe suggestions. Thanks for keeping us all entertained. Swim up, bar! (laughs) That's what he wrote in the email. That's from Jonathan. Uh, Lee, have you had a White Claw? Have you tried one? No, I haven't. No, they're they're, uh, they're seltzer. I read. I didn't know anything about them. So yes. um, no, no, I haven't tried one. Uh, okay, I might try one. I might try and sure, why not? But um, it comes summertime. It's a real British thing. But the best summer drink out there is Pims with lemonade. It is incredible, and it's so refreshing. <laughs> and it's like it's hard to do even describe the flavor of what it is. Um. Uh, I, I can't even really describe it to you, but you mix it with the lemonade and then you can put in things like cucumber or strawberries or mint is really good in there. And you just sip it in a beautiful hot summer's day and it's so refreshing. The weirdest thing is you cannot drink it in winter or on a cold cloudy day. It just doesn't go down as well. But when the sun's shining, you got your sunnies on, you're sitting outside, you're just sipping away on a Pimps. It is the most refreshing drink you can possibly have. Pimps cup. Beautiful. Yeah. Nice. Anyone uh, has anyone tried? I assume uh, Tass, you've had a white claw. JD, you've had a white claw. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And what do you think? You like them? I like them. They're Lacroix with booze in them. I mean, yeah. What's well, yeah. not to like? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I find them uh, a little too synthetic tasting, and that's mm. from a guy who loves a Lacroix. <laughs> I, 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 there's something about them. I'm, a kick. I get off the kick, Jonathan. Maybe just a couple, uh, but I don't know. I would find them a little. Yeah, gross after a while but a, a summer drink you just reminded me lee i had a corona with a lime in it this past week when it was really really sunny here in atlanta nothing like a corona with a lime in it mm. and hey they're struggling they're struggling business is down for corona so pick up a corona put a lime in it hit the swim up bar you're feeling good mm, i don't i i uh, i prefer um a lot of beers to a Corona. I don't. I guess you're right. A Corona on a hot day is fine. Um, I just found a place just up the road from where I am, uh, Lee, <laughs> Portuguese wine shop, and oh, yeah. uh, they actually have they sell Superbuck, which is a Portuguese beer. It's a delicious, simple beer. I love it. Um, so I was pumped to find out that they sell it. Uh, it comes in every week. So I'll just take a Superbuck. Although mm. I also love a good gin drink. Um, like yeah, like a good gin refreshing and gin. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. During the summer is very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about those Estrellas I brought over to you, Skeets? That's they come. Yeah, from those Spain. are pretty good. Yeah, they no, come those from are Spain. Pretty... That's 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 a better Spain is a better Portugal, I've heard, and they've got How better beer. <laughs> How dare you? You take that back. I think you're right with Jonathan. What you were saying though, Tass. I think he'll be on this kick, as he called it, for White Claw for a week or two maybe a little bit longer and then you just watch you'll get tired of those very quickly yeah. something about that that you're like oh these are delicious i could drink these all the time and like two or three weeks in you're gonna be like Ugh, i don't want another one of these because i i remember having that little run with a white claw too i was like okay these are I'm sort of gross now i don't want them that's the yeah. question to me they just got white claws in toronto this was a last year <laughs> thing come on guys it's not melbourne in the 90s you can hear about bone thugs and harmony 
that's definitely true. a last year thing for sure. For sure. And what I, I have, I've had a made a nice little cocktail recently with uh, some blackstrap molasses rum. Yep, 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 yep. Tasty. Get in there. What the hell is blackstrap molasses rum? Who knows? But you throw some Campari in there, some Amaro, no, 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 Nino in there. It is absolutely delicious. Give it a shot. Let me know how it is. It's bitter. Mm. It's sweet. It's coffee. It's sugary. It's yummy. <laughs> Next one here. Hey, no dunks. Getting to listen to you guys talk Survivor and The Last Dance has been a joy, especially hearing JD truly add so much to the conversation. I think I found a way to get JD all in on basketball. There has to be some way to combine Survivor and the NBA. Have 20 players go to an island in the offseason and compete in different basketball challenges. (laughs) Or with the playoffs potentially being held in one location this year, just have the Survivor crew get behind-the-scenes access and then edit the season into 15 episodes for fans to watch. Sucking as much drama from the footage as possible. <laughs> Sucking that footage. Uh, I guess my question is, would you all be into Survivor Beach Ballers? And how would you format it? That's from John in Ohio. JD, why don't you take this one? How, yeah. what's, what's your format? Well, I love both of these ideas, <laughs> and I think we should just combine it into the ultimate idea. And I, let's get Mark Burnett and Probst and Silver and Roberts and Chris Paul on the horn, because let's pitch this. I mean, <laughs> here's the pitch. We're taking the entire playoffs to the Survivor set on Fiji. Okay? <laughs> We're going to build a court. Yeah. Right next to the ocean, like you may have seen in Air Bud or the final shot in the way back. We'll televise all the games like usual. It'll be weird regardless without the fans. So it, let's just go all the way and make a completely surreal experience, uh, basketball on the beach. Yep. Plus, the Survivor crew is going to produce a hard knocks or a 24-7 style show that unfolds in real time. Kind of like the circus on Showtime. That, uh, that, that's a show that looks back at uh, the week that was in politics, but it's going to look back at the week that was in the NBA playoffs, and it's going to tell the inside story of the path of the, that each team is on. Okay. I mean, can you imagine that? And awesome. as the teams get eliminated, they're going to have to go live at Ponderosa, where they <laughs> all have to hang out, reflect on the season, and comment on uh, the teams that are still in it. I think it would be great for the NBA. It would be great for the game of basketball. It would certainly pique my interest. So let's make this happen. I mean, and they're all going to be going to one spot anyways. Why not Fiji? That's not a hard sell to these to, to players, I would imagine. I mean, <laughs> probably not. No. I, instead of uh, we don't, we can get rid of jerseys too. They can just play with their buffs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And right. then and then they have to play Survivor when the season's over. Like the, <laughs> they all have to play against each other. Oh the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams or something. Yeah, yeah, no. The championship team then goes right into Survivor and they have to vote each other out. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. What if, okay. What if it was the NBA champion versus the NHL champions, and then they have to play Survivor, and then, oh, then that's the, the, the original. T- yeah, the two tribes. Oh, I love it. Let's do this. Okay, okay. Good answer. Uh, anything else to add to that, guys? I think you knocked it out of the park there. Yeah, nothing to add. I'm 100% in on an in-season reality show that's being produced within a week. Sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. All right, next one. Shalom, no dunkers. In the wake of reports of Rudy Gobert's recklessness surrounding COVID-19, I've been trying to find a trade for him out of Utah. What do you say about this? The Jazz trade Rudy to the Bulls for Wendell Carter, Thaddeus Young, 
and Thomas Sadoransky. The Bulls improve their defense and have someone who might fit better with Markkanen. The Jazz get a young center prospect and improve their bench, a significant weakness last season. What say you? Yes, this is a who says no. We got one in. It's from <laughs> Brian in Indianapolis. Trey, you're the Bulls fan. What do you think? Wendell Carter, Thad Young, Sadoransky for a Rudy Gobert. Uh, I mainly think this is sad because on Sunday night I was thinking about Bulls teammates Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And on Tuesday night I was thinking about Bulls teammates Otto Porter and Rudy Gobert. (laughs) Somewhat of a downgrade. Uh, Rudy, no doubt, the best player uh, in this uh, what say you deal. He's got the biggest impact on winning and if he were to be traded away from Utah, they get way worse just because of how instrumental he is to their success. But... I think it's an easier no for the Bulls because I think they would rather pay Wendell Carter for the next five years than Rudy Gobert for the next five years. You know, Wendell Carter is cheaper since he's still on his rookie deal. You imagine that his career is trending up, whereas Gobert is going to be super expensive when his deal is up. He's at, in the best case scenario, he's at the peak of his powers and he's able to plateau and stay there for a few more seasons before he totally falls off. The worst case scenario, the fall off happens as soon as you sign him to a monster five-year Supermax deal. So for me, I think I would rather have the, the future of Wendell Carter versus the future of Rudy Gobert, even if you would take Rudy tonight. I uh, I, I agree. I think uh, Rudy is clearly the best player in this deal. It's just whether or not you think Rudy's going to get much better than what we've seen from him the last couple of years, which is a very, very good player, you know, impactful defensively and, and you know, good on, good enough offensively. But at this point, you would only make that trade if you're the Bulls, if you felt Rudy was the piece, the final piece to sort of get you in contention for a championship, which they're not really anywhere near. So I don't think you would see, you know, a significant improvement there from the, from the Bulls, like maybe a few wins here and there, but it wouldn't really uh, elevate them into uh, contender status. So they've got some other things, other pieces they need first, I think, Chicago, before they make that deal. But um, if you were in a win-now situation and you're the Bulls, you would, you would definitely go for it, but, uh, but they're not. So by the time Rudy plays out that contract anyway, they might not be much further along than when they are now. Yeah, here's the concern too. Rudy Gobert... Uh, no matter if he starts to plateau and starts to go down with age and all that, he immediately makes your defense, you know, one of the better defenses in the league. And that would then help uh, the Bulls' case to keep a guy like Jim Boylan around as coach Uh-oh. because, you know, that's where he, he's a defensive-minded coach. Is he? I don't know. He's, that's what they keep telling us. But that suddenly makes them good, and then Boylan maybe looks like he's a great coach. Uh-oh. And you got more years of Boylan, more push-ups coming your way. So, uh yeah, I mean, look, you, you would, you're right. Rudy Gobert, for those guys, is like a, damn, yeah, that's that's awesome. But I hear what you're saying, more a long-term picture as the uh, issue there, Trey. Good question, though. Yeah, it was really it was a good analysis there by Trey because it's it's sad to see the the crop of free agents that the Bulls signed in Thomas Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young and on and on and on and and what have they become when they signed them? Everybody's excited. Oh, you know these veteran guys are going to add <laughs> yep. something. And I was very excited. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right, now they're literally giving them away. This this would seemingly would be a trade for Wendell Carter, who's played two years in the, in the NBA for Rudy Gobert basically. Uh, and I hope Wendell Carter gets a little bit closer to the um, the expectations that he had because he's only played half a season in each of those two seasons that he's played. He's been injured. But he's been pretty solid when he's played. And I think that the Bulls would be smart to hang on to him and hopefully wow, get him do healthy. We, do we think solid. Carter will be, I mean, will he be as good as Rudy Gobert at his best in his NBA career? I mean, 
That's Defensive player of the year, I think, is a little bit far-fetched. But I think they can be, not the, the way they go about it, but I think yeah. they can both be similar players where they're, you know, I think Wendell Carter could be a defensive centerpiece for the Bulls and also able to contribute offensively, sure. which is what sure. Gobert does for the Jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. It took a few years for Rudy to find his stride in the NBA, too. So Go get him, Wendell. All right, next one here. Hey, no dinky dongos. I was listening to last week's beach stepping. I really had to slow that down to get that right. Hey, no dinky dongos. I was listening <laughs> to last week's one. beach stepping and was intrigued by dogs taking a fat dump on Tass's corner lot. Did you know that dogs feel most vulnerable when they are taking dumps? This man really likes saying dumps. Anyway, this made me want to know times where you guys felt most vulnerable. For example, when I'm shooting hoops in my driveway and a hot girl walks by, I feel like I'm destined to airball. Thanks for the entertainment as always. It's from Blake in Dallas shooting airballs. Skeets, when have you felt your most vulnerable? Oh, definitely when I took a dump on your lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With a hot girl walking by. Right right out there on the corner. I had to go. You wouldn't let me in the house for some reason. I said, I'm doing it. I'm dropping this dump right here. Um... I actually thought long and hard about this. I think my answer is uh, when we were with the starters doing sort of live television and at times maybe not in my head being like fully prepared. You know, you guys know me. I like to uh, I like to probably over prepare. And there were times maybe where I hadn't or the script got completely sort of ripped up and it's like, uh-oh, breaking news. And it's like there is a hell of a rush with live television and the cameras slip on and let's go. Where are we going? What are we talking about? Um, it's exhilarating. I absolutely love it. It's so much fun. But it's you can feel nervous as hell, and and I guess vulnerable is a is a, another way to put it um, at times too. So uh, that's sort of where my mind went with this. Besides taking a dump on your corner line, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why our pits were always dripping as soon as those yeah, thirty man. minutes were over. It's 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 a real thing. Again, I love it. I loved live television. Mm-hmm. Absolutely think it's a blast. It, it, you're right. When it's over, you're like, God, that was awesome. It feels like you played a like a sporting event. It really does. Um, especially shows where it is like, oh my God, where are we going? Matty O's yelling in your ear, and you know you're hearing JD <laughs> talk to someone. Like it's fun as hell, and it's 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 amazing. And if you really pull it off, and I think we did a lot of times, then it's uh, even more fun. But there were times where, you know, you're you're. I would that we're about to go. You're getting the countdown the four, three, two, one. You're like, holy crap, am I ready for this? Like, am I ready to talk to people? Like, you're like, Matt, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it to this B roll, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, vulnerable is a is just as another way to say very exciting and nervous, I guess. But Lee, you got an answer? Yeah, well, uh, you guys know how I like to go into my kids' classes and read to them. Mm. So, our, our three year old goes to an all Spanish uh, school. And so I went in there and tried to read um, all Spanish books to these three-year-olds who spoke much better Spanish than I did. And uh, I was reading like a Curious George and a Peppa Pig. And uh, like it's, you know, I would read read over it myself at home. You know, I'd rehearse it just before I go into the class. When you've got these like 15 beady little pairs of eyes staring at you <laughs> who speak the language better than you do as a 43-year-old man, it's uh, it, it's intimidating, you know. And it's, uh, I get a little sweaty in the pits there too. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's the same thing. It's exhilarating because you're like, you're really out of your comfort zone. Yeah. But you're also very, very 
insecure and nervous because if you pronounce a word wrong or the letter wrong or something like that, you just feel like these kids are going to be looking at you, you know, judging you going like, how does this guy not even know how to speak yet? You know, so, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it is so much fun and it's so rewarding. But I think partly it's, it feels that way because it is such a challenge to, uh, to go in there and do it and to, to try to, you know, speak to kids in a language that they speak better than you. My most vulnerable is uh, watching Survivor. I mean, I am just ready to ball at a moment's notice. <laughs> ben taking a knee for Sarah, Lesina, excuse me, got me uh, so many times during Survivor. I think it's when one person expresses their feelings for somebody else. I don't care if it's a State Farm ad or if it's, uh, I mean, really anything. It could be an episode of Peppa Pig where the pig tells the other animals at the farm that... Uh, you're not gonna like this, but uh, I, I really love you, goat. I don't know. Susie, Susie sheep, Susie sheep. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that's that's when I'm my most vulnerable. I think um, actually Danielle took a video of me watching Survivor because I was really into a scene. I'm not sure if it was Ben and Lacina or I don't know if it was a family reunion and seeing myself on camera, uh, basically crying. Um, <laughs> Capital V, vulnerable. <laughs> well, Gee, it's it's no wonder you feel vulnerable if your wife is videotaping <laughs> during emotional times at, at watching TV. But yeah, God. I mean, my most vulnerable for me is talking on this mic. And especially when I'm reading something, I can't, I trip over everything and uh, it's terrible. I, yeah, it's, I hate it. Come back, basketball. God. <laughs> so I don't have to say anything? That's right. <laughs> what about you, Trey? That's uh, my kids keep me vulnerable as well. Mostly doing yoga anytime they're awake. You know, I like to try and slip into the the zen state, eyes closed, where it's just me and my body. But that's dangerous when you got one kid who's all about sneaky cuddles. Sneaky cuddles are fine, but you might not expect it when you're in downward dog to have somebody come strolling through your legs and want to give you an upside down kiss. That being said, it's a lot better than what Isla does, which is sneak attacks. She's getting big now, and I feel like anytime I'm face down anywhere, like if I'm, you know, sometimes I'll joke around and just pretend to be asleep on their bed, or if I'm doing yoga and I'm down, face down, she just loves to run as fast as she can, jump and land on my back, with her knees and she's like getting humongous <laughs> yeah. so i'm feeling every time i close my eyes and both of these kids are awake you're either getting cuddled or you're going to be getting attacked by a 50 pound <laughs> cannonball <laughs> and let me tell you it's just tough to meditate when you're worried about you know yeah. throwing your back out or having to go to the hospital because of a, a sneak attack quite vulnerable yeah you, you gotta lift bro I mean, keep the yoga going, but your, your kids are growing, and the, the, the attacks will continue, and the, she's only going to get bigger. Trust me. Take it from me. I get attacked constantly around here, and Lincoln is taller than me. He gave me a high five the other day. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital because he broke my wrist. Oh, my God. So workout, keep the workouts, but you got to bulk up, man. You got to it's, – it's, it, it's no joke. That's why you're working out all the time. A hundred percent, Skeets. That is why I work out, just to keep up with my kids, just because they're brutal. Next one here. Hey, no buff daddies. Actually, be careful here, Tess. This one might make you a little vulnerable. Um, <laughs> like Tess and Lee, I was a survivor noob, loving my intro to the show. As a member of the stream team, I would typically watch <laughs> each new episode on Thursday through the global app. 
Uh, cut to Thursday of last week. I've only got a few things to do before settling in for the finale. Was about to give Muggs the dog his pre-dinner walk and was thinking of finishing the most recent beach step in pod. Queued up the No Dunks playlist and to my horror, discovered a new episode entitled A King's Coronation. My jaw hit the floor. Could these Survivor hardos really include a <laughs> semi-spoiler in the title of their Survivor recap app? As a Michelle stan, I was hoping for a long shot upset. Was that slim possibility of hope just robbed from me? At the very worst, did Ben somehow win? Sure, Tony was the odds-on favorite, but the suggestion he may have taken the crown sapped some of the strength I would need to power through an unprecedented three-hour episode of reality TV. Ended up fast-forwarding through most of the tribals. Just felt like a formality to watch the inevitable. Long story for a short question. What's your most... Long story for a short question. What's your worst experience having something spoiled for you slash spoiling something for someone else? All jokes aside, I appreciate the decade plus of reliable entertainment. You guys are the best in the biz. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Sean in Ottawa. I wanted to address this first because I am the man usually in charge of naming the episodes. Yes, that was me. I did go with a King's Coronation for our final No Buff Survivor podcast. I thought long and hard about it. In the end, I regret it. I saw one other person I really upset on Twitter. I don't think it was Sean. I think it was somebody else. What the hell? Why are you giving us a spoiler in the title of the podcast? Ah, I don't know. I just thought, I just figured if you were watching Survivor, if you were listening to us talk about Survivor, you were probably watching Survivor sort of the night of or before you downloaded the show. So that's my bad. That's my bad. I should have just kept it a coronation. And I originally had that, and then I added the King's coronation with a picture of Tony for when we uh, tweet it in Instagram. So... I just wanted to apologize to Sean. You're right. That was uh, that was out of line. That was out of line. I there's too much of a hint that that Tony won, even though, as he said, we all knew he was going to win. But I will call you out. Yeah, you. I, um, I'm questioning your Survivor fandom when you're fast forwarding through the final <laughs> tribal councils here. Uh, that that's not a good look there, Sean. So uh, come on, dedicate yourself to the show a little bit more. But apologies, apologies. But anyone have an answer to his question? I actually caught a stray from that post as well, Skeets. Our friend Jen texted me. She says, those spoilers, though, you sneak. And I just told her, hey, I got to put podcast money on the table here. I don't have enough time to wait for everybody to watch Tony win Survivor. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're going to catch some spoilers if you're on the Internet enough. Well, yeah. would you spoil the NBA championship the next day? I mean, you're going to congratulate in the title whoever yeah. won. So, yeah. good point. you know, I mean... But I, I do understand it. He's got a point. I mean, it is a show. And I, often I will watch the next day. I'll wait and watch the next day. So, But don't you stay off social media for that reason? JD? I do. But totally. uh, but I wouldn't say I the podcast, my podcast feed is social media, right? This is yeah. how it was spoiled for him. So but that's I, what I, I... I don't get when people after a big climax of an ending, a season-ending show, people are like, oh, you're spoiled for me. How do we know what your viewing uh, schedule is? <laughs> I mean, like you say with the basketball, if you're not watching Game 7 of the NBA Finals and you wake up and someone's got a podcast that says congratulations to the Cavs, it's like, oh, you're spoiled for me. Like, watch it or stay off social media. Like, yeah, what the hell are you yeah. talking about, man? Yeah. yeah well, I, I didn't need to call it a King's Coronation. 
I guess. But uh, what would you? What should you have called it then? Like, ah, uh, I just should Yeah, hey. Uh, like, hey, Survivor I wonder what finale. happened. Yeah, I wonder what happened. <laughs> and then, so hey, then, that was so a then, cool thing that happened. Yeah. So then, people who are fans are like, well, what did they watch it? Did they recap it? We don't know. You gotta, you gotta catch people with that. Uh, you know, with the with the title, with that first sort of. Um, you gotta hook them in that straight away. That's so, right. That's right. Know. Yeah, I wanted you as a Survivor fan to think, oh wow. I mean, again, yeah. thinking you had already watched the finale. Oh, these guys are going to talk about whether Tony's the greatest Survivor player of all time. A king? He's the king? Sanders the queen? Yeah. Anyway, Sean, apologies. Um, But does anyone have an answer for this? You know, something spoiled? You're pissed off? Or maybe you did spoil something for someone else? Well, for Mother's Day a few days ago, actually, I I kind of pre-spoiled something for Danielle. I said to her, you know, I want to get something for you. It's a, a scale uh, this this really I don't know high end scale uh, for the kitchen that she liked at some point, but I was I was saying it to her because I didn't remember exactly what the product was, and I looked briefly online, and I didn't find it. So basically, I was spoiling it for for her to tell me what it was so I could buy it. Um, but I didn't end up buying it, so it was just uh, I didn't end up buying anything. So happy Mother's Day. To my, to my happy boy. Mother's Surprise. Day. I thought about buying you something. <laughs> Different yeah. kind of spoiler. Yeah. yeah. My, my, uh, my, mine's the same because with, with Mother's Day, I have this stuff come from Shutterfly. And uh, oh, yeah. you've got to be careful when FedEx turns up because, like, if, if Roxana's at home or, you know, she's outside when the truck comes and there's Shutterfly, it says Lee, and she's like, oh, what's this? And I'm like, oh, nothing. Just pretend you didn't see it. I'm just going to go and hide it in the house for a little bit here. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> Mm. And uh, Shutterfly man. comes like in a bright orange box yeah, I know. usually that I says know. Shutterfly across it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> it's like it's a bit of a giveaway there. But, you know, she's it's happened a few times now over the years, so she's okay with it. All right, last email. Hi, no thronks, Dwight's. Like some city dwellers, I've been displaced from my Brooklyn apartment for two months with my wife and two kids. Most recently, we've been at my in-law's house in Shorewood, Illinois, where we've occupied our time with our kids, work, and the Jordan Dock in that order since we can't really visit family and friends i concluded the next best thing to do would be a safe visit to tk's hometown of plano illinois the feedback from my in-laws on plano were i think i've heard of that and i'm pretty sure it's rural so i need some help if i can convince my wife that a 37 minute drive each way is worth it so what are trey's top five things to do in his hometown ideally things that a no dunks fan can do in the current environment but if playing pool basketball at a specific friend's house is on the list, I don't want to buy his tray. P.S. Baby number three is due in October, and I deemed having Skeets or Tass reading an email on a podcast would be the best way to tell some of our close family members and friends instead of the more appropriate phone call, Zoom call, or through sending another sonogram picture in text. That's from Brad. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you, you got Tass. Now everybody knows. I actually forgot. That's one of my great spoilers was Tass announcing uh, that Laura was pregnant with Isla on our TV show. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to tell people. Tass is one of the best for uh, baby announcements. You got to go with him. Way to go, Brad. Yeah, they you call him it. maternity mellus. It's, uh, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me answer some questions here. Uh, you've probably heard of Plano, Illinois. We make all of the world's tackle boxes. Is it rural? 
Not so much anymore. It's doubled in size up to 10,000 people since I moved away. <laughs> and is it worth a 37-minute drive? No way. But I'm still going to hit you with my five things to do in Plano that you can still do right now. Obviously, the Plano Molding Factory store is closed. You can't go in there and get a caboodle. You can't run into my classmates at Super Walmart. You can't go to Subway and get a 12-inch sandwich for the price of a four-inch round. But here are five things you can do. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. If you love golf, go play nine holes at Cedardale Golf Course. Or maybe you drive to Sugar Grove and hit some balls at the golfing range. It's up to you. At number four, if you like adventure, go play paintball at my friend Billy Goldsmith's aunt's house. She opens up the chicken coops. You can shoot your little paintball guns out of it. It's a lot of places to hide out there. You're kind of in a forest. You're kind of on a farm. It's a great time. Do you love the great outdoors? Why don't you go fishing at Silver Springs or the Quarry or Foley Park or Lake Shabana? They got bass. They got crappie. They got bluegill. If you're lucky, you can catch a brown trout. How about seeing the sights? Yeah, it's a small, tiny town about an hour outside of Chicago, but we've got some world-famous things in Plano. 2011's Man of Steel was filmed. Plano is Smallville. You can drive down Main Street, Smallville, and see a Smallville sign. You could also go to the Farnsworth House, a world-famous piece of architecture from Mies van der Rohe. It's the first glass house ever made in the world. You can actually go there. It's in Plano. Why is it there? I don't know. You could go drive by a Webby Award winner's childhood home. <laughs> is that exciting? Maybe. Because maybe my mom will let you in to the house to look through some TBT pictures. And that brings us to number one. Have a TBT day. Do the things I used to do, killing time during the long break between morning football practice and afternoon football practice. Here are some fun outdoor things you can do uh, to kill a few hours. Build a potato bazooka. It's out of PVC pipe, hairspray, and an igniter. We had one. We were shooting it, shooting it, shooting it. Then it stopped working. Couldn't figure it out. Threw it on the ground, broke it, took it back into the van with us, and it went off in the van. That was very scary, <laughs> but also very awesome. Boom. Maybe French fries all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we're fried up, baby. Maybe you could go to the creek behind my mom's house and pour a whole bunch of gasoline into the creek and set it on fire. We called it fire water. It was a fun thing to do when you're 16 years old. How about drive through a cornfield, and when you see a, a, a mailbox, throw a 44-ounce Big Gulp at the mailbox. What's going to explode? Is it the mailbox, or is it your pop? 50-50. <laughs> but my favorite thing to do in Plano, if you have the time, drive 100 miles per hour or more on Miller Road. We're talking Fast and the Furious. When that first came out, all of us went, and we were drag racing down that street. Very, very dangerous, but also a rite of passage in Illinois. So those are my five things to do. Have a TBT day, see the sights, enjoy the great outdoors, enjoy some adventure, or play some golf. Plano, Illinois. A beautiful spot. <laughs> a beautiful <laughs> spot. We still got some factories there. Where the fire water burns bright. Woo! The mailboxes have a little slushy on them or Coke on them or something like that. Oh, oh that was You are such a country boy, man. Wow. Oh, man. You would never, not believe the, the drama that the, the mailbox vandals turned up. You know, we were out there. We, we destroyed this one mailbox. Felt a little bad about it. The next time we drive by, a gigantic sign made by the people uh, who lived in the house that was, you know, 
on the same property. Mailbox vandals are cowards for literally every single person <laughs> to drive by. We're like, yeah, we are. We are cowards. <laughs> and we'll do it again. Mountain Dew all up in your box. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Those, uh, those are some great questions today, guys. Keep them coming. Email us, nodunksattheathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc. Tomorrow, Thursday, we got a special one-on-one podcast with Ariel Helwani. That's going to be a lot of fun. Talk to him about his NBA fandom and I'm sure get into some UFC talk. This guy knows sports, so it's going to be an easy one to talk to him. Friday, I already said it, film session. We are watching and reviewing Spike Lee's He Got Game. We wanted a good basketball movie to finally talk about. A lot of people love He Got Game. I'm a fan. Some of you haven't watched it here on the the call, so this should be a good one. So make sure you watch He Got Game in the next couple of days and hear us talk about it on Friday. All right, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you got to lift, bro. Embrace the day, people.